It is a Madden Monday podcast. Tim Benz and Mark Madden with you. Lots to talk about as it relates to the Penguins. The team is set now that the trade deadline has come and gone. Mark and I will analyze what they did, what they didn't do. And you can listen to Mark Monday through Friday on 105.9 The X, the home for the Pens. Read him at Trib Live. Read me at Breakfast with Benz. But Mark, I understand none of that with the Penguins matters right now because, well, during the first few moments of this conversation, I understand that Liverpool has scored two more goals against Manchester United. Is that right? Uh, Tim, if they did, I'd still be watching. If that game lasted 24 hours, heck, I may put on a tape loop and watch it till the, for the rest of my life till I keel over. <laughs> 7 nothing, 7 nil over Man United at Anfield. Uh, that's the worst loss sustained by United in the Premier League era. And, uh, you know, United, of course, are Liverpool's big rivals. Uh, you know, they're they're both at the top for most uh, English League championships. One, United, I think, is one ahead of us. But uh, that didn't matter today. 7-0. It was, it was more glorious than D-Day. It was like eliminating the Flyers at Old Mellon Arena, right? This might have been better. You know, I'm trying to think, because you mentioned this, just watching it on a loop over and over again. Was it the movie Train Spotting, or was it Clockwork Orange, where like one of the group of characters they just watched the one game over and over and over again? I can't remember which one it was. I don't know, Tim. This was more like The Exorcist in reverse. <laughs> if you want to go, if you want to go old movies, I mean, it, it, it just could not have been better. Uh, even Roberto Firmino, who's leaving the club at year's end, uh, a much decorated veteran, going to go to another team. He came on at the end and scored the seventh goal. It, it it could not have been better scripted. It was almost as great as the Steelers drafting Peasy's kid or Jordan Addison or the big fatso from Pitt who can, can really run it, turns out. What's his name? Cansey? Kalasha Cansey, yeah. Yeah, I, I you know, I got to give that kid credit. What was it, a 4.67 yes. 40-yard dash? Now, now, to be fair, I don't know how often a defensive tackle has to run a 40-yard sprint during a game. I think most would pass on the opportunity, and I, I'm sure Casey Hampton often did. Well, I think where that comes into play, if he's going to play that position, it's kind of like Cam Hayward and his pursuit ability. It's not a full 40, but you know whatever yardage he needs to do to track down a running back. Or we've seen Cam on any number of occasions run all the way down the field to stop a play that's busted by the defensive line in the first place. I think maybe that's where his speed would matter. Yeah, I'm not saying it's it's not a remarkable feat. I'm just saying, as with anything regarding the Steeler draft, and I'm writing about this for the trip, as with anything regarding the Steeler draft, it's a story that romanticizes who they might get. Like, Peasy's kid, Pickett's old receiver. The kid from Pitt who could run across the parking lot, and hey, it looks like he could do it pretty fast, too. Whereas the right thing for them to do is to, in my opinion, take pick number 17 and 32 and trade up to make sure you get one of those stud left tackles, one of the guys from, uh, what, Northwestern or Ohio State. That's the right move for the team, but there's no story there. There's no, there's no, nothing to romanticize. Are you convinced now more than ever that they will take Porter's kid, or do you think that it would be Addison or Cansey or even maybe Carter, J- Jalen Carter, if he were to drop now after the drag racing charges? Well, the, the latest uh, story arc there seems to be the Carter stock won't drop that much, correct? That's what I was sensing, yeah, that if it were to drop, it probably wouldn't drop to the degree that it would get to 17, and if it did, then somebody would scoop up before the Steelers got that chance. But he's not really a story that pertains, you know, that romanticizes with the Steelers. Right, that's true. Uh, I, I'm convinced that Peasy's kid's there. They take Peasy's kid. 
And it might be the right pick in the long run, but in the short term, it would be made because of cronyism. That said, I just looked at Mel Kuyper Jr.'s latest big board. He has PZ's kid going, I think, a 10th overall. I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting him to have helium as the draft process went along. I was actually more thinking that, unless he tested great, that people might get a look at the film and see that he gets a little grabby and wonder if that's something that's going to translate over to the NFL and not be worthy of that high of a selection. I, I thought he might actually be a bigger name that drops towards the bottom of the first round, early second, but I've seen nothing but him either holding Pat or moving up like you said. I heard one of the uh, generic draftniks on one of the weekend talk shows, something national, mm-hmm. say that in, in uh, PZ Jr. senior year at Penn State, he only had three defensive pass interference penalties as opposed to 12 the year before. So there seems to be some sort of sentiment that he's figuring that out. But he'll have to do that again, uh, and even more so at the NFL level, where they're much stricter. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, college doesn't have that five-yard zone, right? So he, he clearly took advantage of that and won't be able to in the National Football League. What did you think of Omar Khan's comments about wanting to keep Trubisky around, not only for this year but beyond? Well, they should want to keep him around for this year for sure. With with Pickett being on such a, you know, his rookie ticket still, where he's still inexpensive, I think you need a good backup, especially nobody's talked much about Pickett having been concussed twice in the same season. Well, Con is Con admitted, too. yeah, Con admitted that it was a concern of his, and he's really one of the few associated with the Steelers and he's a big name to admit that. And I see in Miami they're talking about dumping to him. You seen that? Maybe signing Garoppolo, which would be a pretty crappy end of the stick to give to him, wouldn't it? Especially after they went to such great lengths to make it sound like they weren't all that concerned about it. And hey, he was watching movies on the phone on the way home, you know? But, yeah, they should want to keep Trubisky, uh, getting back to the original point. And I, I hope they do. And I don't know whether he wants to stay or not, but if you're contracted, does that really matter? No, unless he's going to be a pouty little baby about it. But even if he is, it's not like he's got the kind of stroke that could demand his way out of town if they deem him to be worthy of keeping. I think he also might conclude, or his agent might, that the money he's going to make here would be more than he'd get signing somewhere else, and that the opportunity might not be much better. There's still a chance Pickett could soil the bed or he gets concussed again. So I don't see a better situation out there that's obvious anyway than uh, Pittsburgh is for Pickett. Well, honestly, I think, for for, Trubisky. I think for Trubisky, Mark, I honestly think that it's going to be a similar situation for him as it was last year where you know you finally figure out where – Rodgers decides he wants to go where Carr is going to go, where Wilson's going to go like it was a season ago. Carr stayed put, Rodgers stayed put, Wilson moved, and then you figure out whether it's going to be Pittsburgh or the Giants like it was last year for him. I don't know what that will be this year for him, but I still think a lot of uh, dominoes have to fall before he could poke his head up and see if there was a better situation to try to get himself toward. Yeah, but boy, it's going to be a while till that trickles down, given all the variables you just mentioned, right? Yeah, but again, though, he's under contract, so why not wait it out and see and then go to the Steelers and say, can you make a move? Oh, no, no, I see see what you're saying. I wouldn't like to band out right now, that's for sure. Right, yeah, you just kind of wait it out, see where the dominoes fall, and if there's a better situation because Team X now is in need of a quarterback because a backup has been elevated to a starter. Like if Rodgers were to leave Green Bay, right? 
uh, now you're going to need at least a number two there. So, you know, maybe he tries to maneuver himself to Green Bay or something of that ilk. Or like you said, uh, if something happens in San Francisco, maybe he tries to get himself to San Francisco. The Aaron Rodgers situation is just so despicable on so many levels. The Packers should be tired of him. It sounds like they might be, judging by what their GM said. But, Tim, everybody should be tired of him. Why would the Jets want him, especially having to trade for him? And he'll go there, and that New York media, actually, Tim, that'll be great because they'll eat him up and spit him out. They will show up with their BS meter. Which nobody does that, that you know that, with Rogers currently. Don't you agree? Like I think with Rogers, it'll be argumentative. I think with Carr, they'll just beat him up. Depends how Carr does. I I, I don't think Rogers. I think Rogers to avoid their wrath would just about have to win the Super Bowl and be great right away and win like five games in a row. Mark Madden with us. Mark, how about the Penguins? We opened up talking about the trade deadline and now the roster is set. Is it good enough to make the playoffs? Tim, more important, you know who's coming to town for an autograph session soon? Who? Tom Barrasso. <laughs> for an autograph session? Will you ask for yeah, one? Like a signing. Uh, I, I forget where it's at. I saw it announced, though. Bork's doing one day. Barrasso's doing the other day. It's his first time in Pittsburgh, and I don't know how long. His first time doing a signing in uh, North America, I don't know how long. So, boy, I can't wait for that. Will you buy a goalie stick and hand it to him and say, sign this, this is the one you swung at me? No, I'm going to try to get him on the show. I mean, he'll say no, but we're going to ask. Do you think bygones are bygones with him and you from his point of view? I'm sure they're not from mine. (laughs) The only time I saw him and interacted with him, he came back once as like a scout or an assistant in the front office with the Hurricanes, and he was upstairs at the Old Mellon Arena. That's the only time I ever really interacted with him. He was an assistant with the Hurricanes, that's right. Yeah, he was a... uh, he was injured and never around when I moved here and what was his final year. Yeah, he's the worst. You, you, don't, you don't need to deal with him more than once to know he's the worst. Um, how do you feel about the Penguins as currently constructed? I would rather have Tommy and goal Saturday than, than the Smith. <laughs> I can tell you that. Like, this deal where Jari's always hurt and now he's sick? You're sick? You've been hurt four times in ten months and now you're sick in an important game? Give me a break. Uh, I mean, I can't give that guy the contract he wants. I can't. Not that the Smith blew the game, but, you know, because the Penguins only scored one goal. And he stopped 38, yeah. You're not going to win out. You know, uh, but now they really need to beat the Islanders uh, Tuesday night. I hope Jari's not sick again, which is one of my favorite Zeppelin songs, by the way. The anniversary of physical graffiti was just last week. And sick again is on that album. Yep. There you go. Uh, but but yeah, I just the, the Jari thing sat bad with me. You know him being sick. You know what he have? How sick was he? Why couldn't he get in there and gut it out? Uh, and it, you know, it's not like when I hear sick, I think upset tummy. You, you know, something you could you could play through. But but at any rate, uh, but we're Hextall screwed up among many. Do you know the Penguins are seven games under 500 with the Smith and goal and seven games over with Jari and goal? That is too big a disparity. If they even had average backup goaltending, they'd be battling the Rangers right now for third place. Well, honestly, Mark, when we rattle off the litany of moves that were made around keeping the core, like the other things they decided to do in addition to keeping the core and how that set them up for difficulty, 
keeping to Smith is one that's rarely brought up. I think people just habitually get used to him being on the bench, but they probably could have done better and maybe for cheaper. Uh, well, they needed to. I don't know about for cheaper because he you know, came pretty cheap, although giving him a two-year deal is just incredible. But, yeah, they needed better. They're not going to make one more run with Casey DeSmith at goal, let alone Louis Domingue. Or, you know, just they needed to improve their goaltending situation and did not, and they're paying for it. By paying for it, now they're sitting at 71 points. Currently the second wild card with, at the time that we're recording anyway, Buffalo, Ottawa, Florida, and Washington all with 68 right behind them, all of whom have won their most recent game at least. So I looked at the moves, Mark, and I kind of looked at the trade deadline overall, and I thought to myself, it's less about indicting what Hextall did or didn't do at the deadline, but it's more about an indictment of what was done or not done during, oh, I don't know, May, July, even going back to last January when they extended Carter. The indictment is that um, he spent the trade deadline correcting his prior mistakes uh, and didn't even wait long enough to do it in some cases. If you needed to open up cap room, because I keep hearing that he had the cap room available at the proper time, that he would have made the Chikrin trade. Mm-hmm. Well, you needed to you needed to dump them guys, you know, Kapanen, and McGinn, whatnot, months ago, or try to start that process. Um, so yeah, I I think he had a very average trade deadline, but but you have to consider that he was undoing his prior mistakes. And I would have felt good about the trade deadline if he had got Benino and Chikrin as opposed to Benino, Granlund, and uh, Kulikov, who didn't even play at Florida. He said they're better now than they were before. I agree, but I don't think that's saying much, particularly Tim, with... They're, if they're better now, it is so marginally. What do you think of Granlund? Yeah, you know, they were already old. He's 31. They were already small. He's 5'10". They were already in cap trouble, and he has two more years at $5 million. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel, too. It was an upgrade based on what they had for the third and fourth lines, but not a significant one and not really changing anything about the team this year or moving forward. Well, what I think they have to do, and I've talked about this on the show and I wrote about it too, but they're not going to do it. At least they didn't the other night. Uh, they, They have to separate the talent among three lines and try to artificially create depth. They, they, my idea is to put Grandland centering, Rust and Zucker, pair Sid and Jake, pair Gino and Raquel, and just throw crap at the wall until something sticks. The problem with that is then all of a sudden, Carter's not the third-line center. And if there's one thing the GM and coach agree upon is that Carter must be the third-line center, must play special teams, must be out there in key situations, must get the veteran respect that a guy like him who's done so much for Pittsburgh, oh, no, wait. He did all that crap someplace else, didn't he? But that's what I would 100% do, at least try. You're not married to it, but I would separate the talent on the three lines and uh, and hope something stuck. That's what they did in 16. That's how the HBK line became born. You asked me this, Mark, when we did a podcast for Bet Rivers, and I admittedly was stuck on my answer. My belief is I've got to see the Penguins eliminated before I say they're not going to make the playoffs. But I don't want to bet on them because... You know, that's like, that's literally a a, a them-against-the-field kind of thing because I just listed the four teams with 68 points right behind them, and you got the Islanders 
in the first playoff spot on top of that. I know the Pens have games in hand, but I'm not confident enough to say that, yeah, they'll be the eighth team at least. What do you think? Do you think it's the Islanders and the Pens, or is it the Islanders and one of these other teams like maybe Ottawa, who got Chitron, has now won five in a row? I don't think the Islanders are a lock because, I mean, as good as Sorokin is, they look terrible and Barzal's been hurt. Uh, Ottawa's the hottest team. But to get to your original point, I am not uh, counting on the Penguins to make the playoffs, even though it looks okay now, because uh, I've seen false dawns before. Mm -hmm. And all they need is one more losing streak on top of the three lengthy ones they've already had. Uh, you know, to, to, to screw it up. So I, I think they'll probably make it. I've been saying 50, 50 all along, right? Yeah. I, I would say 55, 45 in favor of right now. Is Ottawa the biggest threat? Today they are, but it changes every day. And, and here's the, here's the X factor. I still think it's Florida, but go, but go ahead. I've seen the Rangers play, uh, since they got Kane, they screwed their team up. They, uh, they they overdid it like the Penguins did in 13 with the Gimlin and all those guys. They especially screwed up their power play because they're jamming Kane on the power play. They're moving guys all over the power play, and it's just not very good now. They went out of the, they got Kane, and that's one thing if you don't rearrange everything to fit him in. But why do you make it him feel like you know he's that indigenous? I mean, he just got there and he wasn't having a good season. Besides, Mark, do you think Pitt's going to play themselves out of the tournament? Oh, talk about more glorious than D-Day. <laughs> how about how about how about this this idiot Cable? Let's say that the kids can't talk because they're too depressed over the end of the Miami game. Yeah, well, let's teach them how to deal with adversity. Okay, I mean uh, the media spends a lot of money to send beat reporters on the road. That's just discouraging. You know what the problem's always been with Cable and Narduzzi both, and, and I've said this a million times, Tim. But and I bet you agree because you you know you went to Syracuse. Uh, they don't understand that it ain't uh, Durham or East Lansing. They don't get it. They don't understand that they're just not a big deal here, that their teams aren't a big deal here. Tim, I don't talk about Pitt at all on my show, except for the occasional, you know, big newsy type thing. And nobody, and I don't suffer for it at all. It's just, it's just not important in Pittsburgh. I don't know if this is social media related or not. Actually, I don't think it is. I think it's just more digital related how we get immediate responses in our business to what we're talking about, what we're writing about. It's so much easier to tangibly track what moves. And we see it, you know, Pitt, when they're hot, they get a few more reads. They get a few more listens where they're being listened to on the radio. It goes up, but... Not to the point that you should feel like you shouldn't talk Penguins or Steelers most of the time. No, not to the point we're talking about them uh, very little hurts. So, but, but I don't think Narduzzi and Cape understand that. I think that's why they're both arrogant jerks. They, they just don't understand where they're at. They know where they used to be and they want it to be the same. Did you see Andrew McCutcheon got hit on the hand already in a spring training game? Yeah, do we have a prognosis yet? I, I didn't see a prognosis yet, but it just, it feels like, you know, typical Pirates, they're building up some goodwill and enthusiasm, momentum, all that, and, well, they get a break like this. What if he misses the opener? Yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll see. I, I don't know what this means as far as how long he'll be out, but I, I know this. I know the gambling houses might have screwed up by putting their over-under total too low. They had it at 61.5. It got gambled all the way up to 67. I do think they'll be better, Mark. 
That doesn't mean they'll be good, but I think they'll be better. I'm actually thinking of getting in at, what's it, 67 and a half now? I took the over still at 67 and a half. You took over 67 and a half wins. I think they're going to win about 72, yeah. Really? Yeah, I think they'll be a 90 loss. That's still a 90 loss team, though. Oh, I, I, I didn't say they wouldn't stink to some degree. I just, I, I don't know. I like them under 67 and a half. It's close. Like I said, if they're a 90-loss team, you're still in that neck of the woods. I just don't think it'll be as pronounced bad as it was last year. See, but part- I think you think they're a 72-win team if everything goes right. And I don't think everything's going to go right. Yeah, and maybe this McCutcheon thing is the first sign of that, I guess. Yeah, and what if they start trading guys? What you know, like they That will always happen. Because yeah. they're, they're, they're going to trade some guys. Unless they're in contention, Tim. They're going to, you know, for a wild card, they're going to trade some guys. Finally, Mark, I did go to see Cocaine Bear this weekend. I was a week late. I was behind the eight ball, but I still saw it and enjoyed it. Well, very good. (laughs) Uh, It's great. Now Elizabeth Banks, the director, is talking about doing Cocaine Shark. But I think she's probably kidding. I don't know how the shark ingests the cocaine, for God's sakes. Although you would really need a bigger boat. (laughs) Uh, I I also said I also said in my column for the trip I wonder if Elijah Cansey's uh, 40 yard dash well no I saw it actually it reminded me of the bear chasing the ambulance scene yes uh, in cocaine bear except without the cocaine and we know because they test at the combine Mark do you think that she could move away from cocaine shark and do like cocaine house cat and could Clipper be a nominee for the lead role she don't need the cocaine. She 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 could she could she could jump into the fire with in terms of what I mean. She's still the devil. She's going to be five next month. But my God, uh, jump into the yeah, fire! Yeah. Great Ray Liotta reference there. That was oh, the that was the music from the Goodfellas helicopter scene. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay, good for me. Uh, but uh, but no, I, I I'm going to go see Cocaine Bear a second time. That's how much I I enjoyed it. You know, I will say this about Kalaja Kansi too. I think the, the, the combine is useless. I think there's nothing good about it. I uh, Now, De, DeMar Smith is saying that, too, that it's not lived as usefulness. I think it's designed to be here, be there, run, jump, pee in a cup, you know, lift weights, do everything we tell you to do so you know who the boss is and that you're an employee. But sometimes you have a guy like Cansey did. I mean, his stock is noticeably going up. He's higher up the mock drafts because of that sprint. Yeah, and I think it's for the medicals, too. So, so they don't constantly have to be prodded and tweaked and tested by every team. That's It's an easy way to do that. Well, right, too, but you could just do that, too, if you wanted. Uh, what, just have them submit to one round of testing from their home facilities or something like that in college? Yeah, exactly. Make the NFL do the legwork, more or less? Exactly. Yeah, they so, could. But, I mean, but, but don't you agree with the other part, how all this stuff's designed to make sure that they know their employees? Yeah, I think it's a segue from college life to the NFL. I do think there's a um, an indoctrination aspect to it, if that's what you're saying. Yeah, I do think that exists. Whether well, they'd never admit that, but I think it's present. They, they would never admit that, that's for sure. <laughs> Mark Madden, he's on Monday through Friday. Listen to him on 105.9 The X, 3 until 6. And make sure you check him out here at the Trib. Plus, watch us, Madden Ben's Unfiltered, the live make stream. Sure you get, make sure you get on YouTube, Tim, Twitter, 7-0, seven, 7 goals. Let me see if I can remember them. Gakpo, Nunez, Gakpo, 
Salah, Nunez, Salah, Firmino, 7-0. All the Liverpool highlights and all the Liverpool talk you can imagine as well. Tomorrow on Madden Ben's Unfiltered, the Facebook live stream at Trib Live.